It is good to be together. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, we are going to continue in our study of Second Timothy again. But before um, we go there, let me just remind you again about next Sunday. We're going to have our family ministry team gathering, our family gathering as a part of our service. So please connect with one of the different services, either here in person or outside or online, um, no matter what, like whatever your availability. And let me just remind you, you know, like the reason we're doing this kind of overlapping thing, it's not to try to separate us, but to kind of allow us to connect. So, you know, you want to hang out a little bit later and talk to people that are in the outside service. I mean, the whole point of this is that we're the family together. We're not trying to divide us by having these different services and Part of the reason we've overlapped them is intentionally to give you a chance to see people that are at the other service and not have them be widely separated by time. So chill out and hang out. It's fine. You know, you can double dip. It's not like you're not allowed to hang out out there or they're allowed to hang out in here. So we're not trying to divide ourselves. So let me just encourage you in that. So last week we started this study and we're really rejoicing that we have this wonderful letter from Paul written to a person, not just to a church, but to an individual. You know, how cool is it that we get to read Timothy's mail and, and, and have that encouragement to us? And so last week we talked about how Paul knew his gifting and, and encouraged Timothy, called him his son in the faith. And so we're going to pick up there. But uh, let's just pause for a minute. Maybe you want to reflect if you've got a chance to read this passage this week or look at it. Just think about what you've been learning so far. Let's just pray for a moment, ask the Lord to teach us, and then I'll pray for us. But let's just kind of pause, get our mind kind of on 2 Timothy, what Paul's saying to us. Just think about that for a minute. Pray and ask the Lord to teach you, and then I'll pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you that we have your word. We have an abundance of riches in seeing your word. We have in English so many translations. We are blessed. So Lord, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, you would use it, teach us, Holy Spirit, apply it to each of us exactly where we need it, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul um, was taught, writing to Timothy, and he had talked about his desire to see him. And then the next thing he says is this. He says, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Paul knew Timothy. He knew his family. Uh, in Acts, we know that Timothy's father was a Greek. We don't know whether he was a believer or not, but we know from this that certainly his grandmother and his mother were. He comes from this heritage of faith. He had family that had faith. And that's a beautiful thing. It's an encouragement that it is possible to pass on faith to, to our children. And sometimes that doesn't work. We understand that. People go different ways from really good backgrounds, but it is possible for people to have a heritage like this. 
And he celebrates that for Timothy. He's reminding him of the heritage of faith that he has. And I would encourage all of us to think about the incredible heritage we all have. Maybe you have a heritage of believing family that is a part of your faith journey. But maybe you don't. But as believers in Christ, we have a huge heritage. We have 2,000 years of people who have gone before us following Jesus. They've written you know, stories of their you know, journey with Christ. Think of, think of the, the people in early times that walked with God and, and left the heritage and trained and, and taught people. Think of more recent times. Think of people like Hudson Taylor and William Carey. Think about Jim Elliott. Think about people like um, Luther and Calvin. All these different figures of the faith who were a part of the story that you and I have, we have an abundance, an abundance of testimony of following Jesus and what that looks like. We have this rich, rich heritage that our faith is founded on in people who've given us examples of what it's like to follow Jesus. So as Paul is reminding Timothy of that, He's stirring him up for this next statement. He says, for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, we don't do a lot of laying of hands on people. We do it like when we send people on mission trips, you know, we bless them that way. And I'm not going to get into a theology of laying on hands right now because I'm not prepared to do that. But wouldn't it be cool to have had Paul pray for you? (laughs) Would you have liked that? Like for Paul to to pray for you and ask God to do a work in your life? But we all have this gift as followers of Jesus when we become new, you know, fresh life, new life. When life from above comes into us, the Spirit gives us gifts. We have this enablement. And God, um, Paul is telling Timothy stir that up. Now, if you've ever cared for a campfire, you know that after a while, the the wood on the edges gets cold or doesn't start to burn, and you have to kind of stir it. Well, that's exactly how your gift is. That's exactly how the work of the Spirit is in you. There are times when you need to stir it up. So, let's just kind of think about this for a minute. Paul is reminding Timothy that we have this rich, rich heritage. There is a whole history of people from the heroes of the faith in Hebrews to more modern times. We have this rich heritage. We have this work of God, this Holy Spirit present in us that is giving us ability, a gift, an enablement. That's there for us. Now, we can either ignore that or we can use that. And when we ignore it, we're the less for it. So Kathy and I, we normally get, um, I don't think we've ever had a fake Christmas tree. We normally get live Christmas trees. And you you get them from the lot and you take them home and it's good to cut the little end off so that you can get the water to go up it, right? Well, I don't want to use good saws for that and so I have this kind of bent saw that's old and it takes me forever to cut it because it just it's really frustrating and kind of dumb so the last this past year we went to a lot that was really close to our home and the guy said can i cut it for you and i said yes 
you know, just cut it for me. And he had this saw that was really good, and it was done. It was like the right tool for the job. It's like you have the right tool for the life God has called you to in your gifting. And when you don't use it, it's like using a busted saw for life. You have an enablement from God to do the things he's calling you to do. And so you need to stir that up. You need to think about that. Well, how would you stir that up? First, you ask God, help me see how you have gifted me. Just ask God to show you. Second, watch. Look for how you respond to life. And I'll give you some qualifications for that in a minute. But how do you respond in life? So maybe you're in your neighborhood and you see your neighbor needing some, like, they need some help. And you have this kind of urge, like, boy, somebody should help him. That might be a clue to the kind of gift you have. Or maybe you see somebody standing alone and you think, someone should talk to that person. That might be a clue to the gift that God has given you of encouragement or maybe exhortation or maybe mercy, being kind. So think about the impulses that God has put there. And then the next thing you do is you actually act on it and see what happens. Now, here's the problem. We all have this kind of impulses, but there are things that will get in the way of us actually acting on them. And that's where this next verse becomes amazingly powerful. And you probably know this verse. You probably had someone quote it to you at some point in your life. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. The first thing that Paul says is, if you are reticent, if you are reluctant, if you are fearful about stepping out, that's not from God. If you are feeling fear, that is not God working in your life. Now, he's going to tell us three things that are, and we're going to talk about those in a minute. But let's talk about timidity. So it can also be translated fear. It can also be translated cowardice. No one likes to be called that. So what is it? Well, look at this verse in Matthew 8. The story behind this verse is that disciples and Jesus are in a boat. They're going across the Sea of Galilee. A storm has come up. Jesus is asleep, and they are scared. And so it had to have been a significant storm because some of these guys were experienced in, on, the, on the Sea of Galilee. And they are afraid, so they wake him up. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? And it's the same root word that's in Timothy. Just why are you afraid? You men of little faith. Fear robs us of faith. Fear dulls our ability to have confidence in God. That's why Paul confidently says, God does not give you a spirit of timidity. So if you are feeling fear, if you are feeling terror, that is not from God. 
And Jesus rebukes, exhorts his followers, his disciples, You're, you are of little faith in this moment. Now, I'm going to just throw this out there for you. You can go look it up and you can think about it. I've been thinking about it all week and I don't have complete answers. But if you look at Revelation 21, and it's talking about the new heaven and the new earth. It's talking about, um, it's talking about heaven coming to earth. It talks about the lake of fire. You know who the first group of people thrown into the lake of fire are? Cowards. And I think that has to do with people who have no faith. In other words, they have been dominated by fear when there's no confidence or faith. You wrestle with it. I'd, I'd be interested in your comment on it. So let's just think about fear for a minute. Oops. Oh, there's no text there. Well, here's what's supposed to be there. I don't know why that didn't come out. Um, so um, in the um, fear is not from God, but what is it? Fear is a natural human response to beliefs about circumstances. Let me say that again. Fear is a natural human response to belief about circumstances. So I can remember a time when I was really little. I, don't, I think we were living in Pennsylvania at the time because I was probably under seven. I was, I was at a friend's house. There was a barn. You know, they had a farm kind of an environment. And we were playing in the barn. And we looked out on the grass, and it looked like there was a snake out there. And so we were afraid, a little kid. And so we just kind of stayed in the barn for a while. But what we saw was a snake, like it was this kind of loop in the grass. It didn't move. And so after a while, we, we, we got up the courage to go find, it was a belt. It wasn't a snake. So we were afraid. Were the circumstances anything to be afraid of? No, it was a belt. But our belief about that made us think it was a snake, and so we were afraid. It is your belief about circumstances that will lead you to have fear, which is why what you think is incredibly important. I know I, I sound like a broken record on Philippians 4, but the more I think about Philippians 4, the richer it becomes. Because Philippians 4, where Paul says, be anxious for nothing, the verse that be, is before that is, the Lord is near. The Lord is near, so then he says, be anxious for nothing. And then he gives you how to pray, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made to God and the peace of God, will, you know, that part. But then the very next verse says, finally, brethren, whatever is true. So you will have fear if you are not dwelling on truth. You will have fear if you are gripped with bad ideas or beliefs that are not rooted in reality. God is near. Jesus is near to you. If you don't believe that, you will be afraid. So when Paul tells Timothy, ah, there it is. When Paul tells Timothy that, that we have not gotten the spirit of timidity, he is in, 
he is giving him a prescription. He's helping him understand what will keep him from kindling that gift that God has given him, from using that gift that God has given him. So, fear is not from God. It's a natural human response to beliefs about circumstances, and fear will keep us from using what God has given us. It'll keep you from talking to someone. It'll keep you from initiating with someone. It'll keep you from acting on something that God has laid on your heart. It is not from God. Okay. So, what are the three things that are? So, we know if, if we've got fear, that's not from God. So, an impulse that's fearful, that's not a God kind of impulse. And, and don't, don't go to places like, well, then I shouldn't be as scared. Like, there's places to show proper caution. Using a chainsaw, there's a certain amount of respect that's necessary, right? You know, you're walking on a trail, and, and, and there's a steep cliff. There's a certain amount of caution. We're not talking about your, you know, your rational stuff. Okay, so the next verse, or the next word that he says is, he hasn't given us fear. So what has he given us? He's given us power. God's power, God's enablement, God's grace will give you the strength will give you the ability to do what he asks of you to do. So in Colossians, Paul says, strengthen with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously. Sometimes you think, I just can't keep doing this. I'm having a hard time staying faithful. But God's power will help you. His grace is there for you. God will give you the ability to do what he asks you to do. If he's asking you to do it, he will enable you to do it. I'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute. So power comes from God. So enablement comes from God. It's not you. It's not your strength. It's God's strength. The second thing that, so think about, I I was trying to think of a picture that would kind of capture this, and I was first going to try to put like some kind of generator, but you know, that's so mechanical, and I I fell on the idea of a solar panel because it just basks in the sun and there's power that comes from it, and I think that's the way you need to think about being in God's presence, that as you're in God's presence, you're going to recognize he's with you and will give you the strength, it will give you the ability to do the things that he has given you to do. So power comes from God. The second thing that comes is love. So if you have a loving impulse, like a desire to seek someone's good, to bless them, that's a God kind of impulse, right? And so Jesus tells us, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you. So Love means you sacrifice for people. That's what Jesus did for us, right? And, and what, would, what would keep us from sacrificing? Well, if I help that person, I might not have enough to take care of my needs. If I give, or if I give my time to help them, I'm not going to get my things done. There are all kinds of ways we, we can think like that. Whereas if it's love, God's love pouring through us He will give us the ability to love that person, and he will give us the ability to do the things that 
we also need to do aside that. He will provide for us as we're acting in love. So the power comes from God. The love comes from God. God will help me love someone, which means seeking their good, even at my expense. And then there's, here's our all, our, all of our favorite word. Can you click it for me? My clicker's not working. Huh? Okay. Um, the next word is, um, is discipline. Is that your favorite word? I love discipline. I don't love discipline. I would not think of myself as discipline. But the scriptures say that discipline, God will give us that. Now, the other ways to think of this word are moderation or prudence. Not prudish, but prudence where there's a, an ability to live a balanced life, to, to live a, a, a moderated life. So Paul talks about how he's not going to be controlled by anything. So as followers of Jesus, we know that, you know, if you're in, you're in a situation where sin is dominating you in some way, if there is some sin that is just, that's overpowering you, you know that's not from God, and God will give you the ability to have victory over that. But sometimes there are things that aren't necessarily sin in and of themselves, but they have become so consuming that you're spending all your time on them and it's not fruitful. So, you know, maybe you're spending too much time on Facebook or you're spending too much time on social media or you're spending too much time binging because, you know, all of the, the media apps let you have the next video without you even thinking about it. You know, there's all different kinds of ways we can be out of control. And the whole point that Paul is encouraging Timothy in is God will give us a spirit of discipline, of moderation, to live that kind of life that is able to have the time to do what he asks us to do. So think about fear is not from God. Power is from God. Love is from God. And discipline is from God. So all four of those things are grids that you can use to think about your gifting and to think about what God is saying to you and to think about how you're to act. So as you are going through life, if fear is dominating you, you can say right away, this is not from God. And then you can go to places like Philippians 4 and follow that pattern of recognizing Jesus is near, that's the truth, and then praying about those things and, and being thankful, and then look to how God's peace surrounds you. You can recognize an impulse from God if it's if it's to do something and you step into it, you can recognize that God's, um, the impulse from there, like you're going to have the ability to do it, and I'll, I'll give you an illustration in a minute. Um, well, there we go. So, as you th one more thing about discipline. Think about the fact that God has given you the ability to choose. And when you are doing things that aren't choices, like it's either become a habit and it's a destructive habit, or it has become a pattern that you're not in control of, that's not living this kind of disciplined kind of life. You're, you're, 
you're allowing your practices to overwhelm you, and you need to give some thought to that. God will give you the ability to choose as you trust him in that. So I'm going to the next one. I'd like you to think about these four things in terms of your life as you're evaluating it. So first of all, ask yourself, is fear dominating your life? There's a, there's a, there is, I think there is a spirit of fear at work in our country right now. And, and I think it is an attack of the enemy. And I think we've got to stand up to it. I don't think we can be afraid. I don't think we can live in fear. And so ask yourself, is fear dominating my life and my heart right now? Second, am I counting on God's power to enable me to do what he asked me to do? So what does that look like? Paul um, has this interesting prayer in Ephesians, or he, he writes to them and asks them to pray for him, that God would give him boldness. And then he just uses this phrase, in the opening of my mouth. So, in other words, I'm just going to open my mouth and I'm going to expect God to speak through me. So, like that person I said that you had the desire to, like, someone should talk to him. What if he just went up and opened your mouth, like just started talking and see what comes out? In other words, God would give you the ability to be kind to that person as you trusted him. Like, he would give you the words to say Jesus told his disciples they were going to be before kings and that they shouldn't think in advance, that he would give them what to say. So Paul just says, we expect God's power. Are you counting God's power to enable you to do what he asks you to do? Third, do you look and expect God's love to flow through you? You can ask the Lord to help you be loving to someone and figure out what that looks like. And then to begin to act and trust that he's going to provide for you in that context. And then fourth, am I living in moderation or am I controlled by anything other than God? Those are some great places to start because Paul is telling Timothy, stir up your gift. And these are the kinds of things that will either hinder you or help you. So let me give you one more story to try to help you understand what I'm saying. So... The first time that I ever spoke, and I've shared this story before, but the first time I ever spoke in church, I was in seminary, and there was a little notice on the, the, the bulletin board about a church out in Western Maryland that was wanting someone, you know, a preacher to come do the, the sermon on Sunday. So a friend of mine and I drove out. It was in Western Maryland. It was this little country church, white building, you know, aisle down the middle of pews. And I, I had my notes, I had my little notebook, and uh, I was going to talk on the tongue from James, and, you know, I, I, I was a seminary student, you know, I had all this stuff going. And I, I stood in the pulpit, and, um, and I just, you know, just did the message, you know. And then I have my notes, like these pages, and I, I said everything that I had to say. I turned the last page, I was done, and I had started speaking at, at 11.30, and I was done, I think, at 11.36. <laughs> and um, so, you know, it was a typical kind of thing where you go stand out. I never saw a more dazed group of people in my life, because I don't think they'd ever gotten out of church that early. It was like, what was that? And, uh, you know, so you might think, okay, um, maybe this isn't for you, Mark. But what was interesting is, 
a year later, um, when I was doing an internship at, in Baltimore at a church called Grace Fellowship Church, I got a chance to speak too. And that time I talked from Philippians and something just kind of happened. Like I didn't, I had done this preparation, I had done this stuff, but I stood up and stuff came out. And it wasn't, it, it was like I could do this. But you didn't, I didn't know I could do it until I'd done it. And what I'm trying to encourage you to think about is, as God puts some things on your heart to do, you may not actually know you can do it until you try. In other words, you may not know you can talk to a stranger until you try. You may not know you can share your faith with someone until you try. You may not know you can give and serve someone until you try. Like, you have to take a step. In the crossing of the Jordan, what did the priests have to do? They had to put their foot in the water. It's when they stepped into the water that the water stopped. Sometimes you've got to step into the water to experience the power and the love and the discipline. There are sometimes we have to act to see how this works. So when Paul tells Timothy to stir up your, his gift, one of the things he's saying is use it. And so as you think about your life and what God has put in you, realize he's given you the tools in terms of the Holy Spirit enablement to do the things he has asked you to do. So as he's asking you to do it, do it, try it, step out, act, and see how God's power and his love and his discipline enable you to do that. That's what Paul is teaching us. Don't let fear rob you of the experience of seeing God work through you to accomplish his purposes in the world. This exhortation to Timothy is an exhortation to us. Let's not let fear keep us from acting and living the way Jesus has invited us to live through confidence and faith in him. So ask yourselves these four questions and then whatever the next step is, take it. Figure out what it is this week that God is leading you to do. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this exhortation from Timothy. Thank you for Paul's exhortation to us to stir up the gift that you have put within us. Father, I just ask that you would unleash each of us. Help us to live in the way that you intend us to live. Help us live for the purposes that you've given us. Help us to live out the ability and the calling and the gifting. Lord, we pray that we would be people who are filled with your power and your love and your discipline, that we might accomplish what you have given us to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.